Hey, it's Saturday morning. Good morning. July 16th, Saturday morning. How you doing on this wonderful weekend? Scorcher of a weekend here in Arkansas. A lot of places uh, this summer. I, I, you know, haven't said yet. I haven't kept up with it. But I've bet we've had double-digit days so far, continuous days of 100-degree uh, weather plus, temperatures plus. I'm not talking about wind chill or heat index. I'm kidding around when I say wind chill. But it's been it's been toasty. Matter of fact, uh, the the yard mowing, <laughs> the lawn mowing, has been significantly decreased this year because of the uh, high temps. We have a a very brown yard right now. But anyway, I guess you could say good for me. I don't have to mow it. Anyway, it's a uh, Saturday morning. Uh, welcome to the FBTV podcast. Every Wednesday and Saturday, we get together for about 30 minutes, maybe an hour sometimes, depending on how much we have to talk about. And we talk about things relating to the transportation industry, freight brokering, trucking, as well as we have a little bit of fun along the way. Talk about other things as well. Today, though, Saturdays, it's Q&A day. You send in your questions, and we will answer them today. Now, before we get started in anything, we've got some uh, pretty important news we've got to talk about here. The uh, FMCSA and their uh, speed limiter studies is going on. Matter of fact, the reason we're bringing it up because Monday is the last day that you have to comment on the FMCSA study. Because this is important now, we're bringing it up now, because there are safety groups up there, up there, out there, <laughs> that not only want the speed limiter, that are not only fighting for the speed limiter, but they want it set at 60 miles per hour. These people are nuts, obviously. They have no clue what it's like to be going 75, 80 miles per hour and hit a brick wall, because that's exactly what's going to happen. Truck going 20, 30 miles below the speed limit, 25 miles below the speed limit in some places. Well, we saw what happened to the Tesla vehicle when it went under the Walmart truck here a week or so ago. Anyway, the prospect of a speed limiter mandate on heavy-duty truck ignited opposition from thousands of truck drivers, obviously. As of yesterday, July 15th, more than 15,000 comments have been submitted to the FMCSA administration. A significant majority of the comments came from truck drivers who call it an example of overregulation or no common sense whatsoever and point to the potential dangers resulting from large speed differentials. Should be common sense. Now, it's important to note that there are groups out there. This is what I was talking about a moment ago. There are groups out there, individuals who want to make the speed limiter mandates a reality. And some people just want things just because they want to cause trouble, be a troll, so to speak. You know what I mean? Anyway, these safety groups among others, want trucks to slow down on the highways. 
in, and these are the same people. They get behind a Schneider with a, a J.B. Hunt truck trying to pass a Schneider truck. They're the first ones to veer off to the shoulder and go around. You know what I mean? Don't make any sense. Well, it does, but can't fix stupid, right? I'm sorry if you're offended by that, <laughs> but come on. <laughs> Drop an egg. See what happens. You know, that's, that's what it's going to be like. If a truck's going 60 miles an hour and a car's going 75, that's what it's going to be like. Anyway, back in May, FMCSA issued an advance notice of supplemental rulemaking that requested feedback on a potential speed limiter mandate for trucks. Monday is it. So, we're making a point of it to remind you during the podcast. May even post uh, the video of this section of the podcast onto YouTube today or tomorrow to remind people. Get in there and make your voice heard. The current proposal would be limited to trucks with a gross vehicle weight of at least 26,001 pounds. Truck safety groups want the, well, safety groups, doesn't say truck here, want the mandate speed limit. Uh, speed limit class 3 to 6 trucks as well, not just 8. The advocates for highway and auto safety truck safety coalition, citizens for reliable and safe highways, and of course parents against tired truckers, File joint comments on the FMCSA website. <clears throat> FMCSA's current notice does not determine a top speed for trucks, but the safety groups, yeah, they're pushing for the 60. They say in order to fulfill its mission to reduce crashes, injuries, and fatalities involving large trucks and buses, FMCSA must promptly complete this rulemaking to require the use of speed-limiting technology on CMVs, commercial motor vehicles, and to be set at a maximum speed of 60 miles per hour. Again, you can't fix stupid. Parents Against Tired Truckers, they, uh, they came into play, started hearing about them, what, 20 years ago, give or take, a couple of years, when the logbook Rules started to change. Oh, they made their voices known. Matter of fact, a lot of these rule book changes, or logbook changes, <clears throat> rulemaking, hours of service, rather, comes from a lot of these people never liking what's, what's being said. You know. Never liking the rules. <clears throat> They'd be happy if there were no trucks at all. Fact. But... <clears throat> There's got to be trucks, you know. You think the show, store shelves are bare now. Yeah, let's stop the trucks. Anyway, the United States has posted speed limits as high as 85 miles per hour in some places, considering that cars often exceed the speed limit by 5 miles per hour or more. These safety groups' recommendations could cause trucks to travel 30 miles per hour slower than cars on the same road. So if you want to know what that'd be like, get in your car, aim it toward a brick wall, and be at 30 miles per hour 
when you hit that brick wall and you'll get an idea of what kind of damage we're talking about. Now, I don't mean do that, obviously. But you get the idea. Studies and research have already proven what we were all taught long ago in driver's ed classes, that traffic is safest when vehicles all travel at the same relative speed. This is coming from Oida President Todd Spencer. Limiting trucks to speeds below the flow of traffic increases interactions between vehicles, which can lead to more crashes. Duh. Not rocket science here. Research from Steve Johnson and the Whoopig Suey University of Arkansas says that the frequency of interactions with other vehicles increases 227%. When traveling 10 miles per hour below the speed of traffic. Just 10. Now, like I said, you've got till Monday to uh, post your comment. And Oida's made this really easy to do. Go to their website, fightingfortruckers.com. The form there it takes you through it step by step, how to fill it out. If you'd rather go to the FMCSA website itself, you can comment by going to regulations.gov website, entering docket number FMCSA-2022-0004. Much easier just to go to fightingfortruckers.com. This is dangerous, people. I mean, there's some stupid things going on in this country here last... Uh, 18, 19, 20 months. I mean, look, look at the fuel prices. Uh, this, this falls in line with stupid that's been going on. So, yeah, make your voices earn. All right, my name is Mike. I'm the lead consultant for Tautua. Check us out at Tautua.com. We are a transportation and logistics training and consulting firm. We train and consult freight brokers, freight broker agents. Matter of fact, we assist new freight broker agents wanting to enter the industry. They can begin as an agent after they complete their training in our mentorship program. That's where they will be placed through us under our license brokerage so they can begin their broker operation as a freight broker agent. And yes, there is compensation for this. You can make money in the mentorship program just because you will be a freight broker agent in the mentorship program. Commission in the uh, mentorship program, 60% of net, 60% of the profit on the loan. $500 profit, you make 300 bucks. But let me, let me emphasize, the purpose of the mentorship program is to allow you to begin gaining experience and building your customer base. So keep that in mind. Talk to me more about it. Check out our website. Call me if you wish. 479-668-0838. I'll be happy to uh, discuss it with you. <clears throat> now, Saturday, July 16th. Today is Corn Fritter Day. Been waiting for this one all year. Spinach Day. And it's also Personal Chef Day. I guess to uh, cook the spinach and make the corn fritters. <laughs> but anyway, that's today. Uh, Q&A day, we got some great questions coming up. Uh, today's impossible question, one in four men say they never use this. What is this? 25% well, of men say they never use this. 
Come on. Come on. Hey, if it's your birthday, happy birthday to you. You're in pretty good company. Shoeless Joe Jackson. Born on this day back in 1887. The Popcorn King. Redenbacher. Orville Redenbacher. Remember what it was back in the 80s? Maybe it was the 70s. He did his own commercials for uh, Redenbacher popcorn. He looked like Orville Redenbacher. You know, you couldn't have picked someone uh, to be an actor or to represent Orville Redenbacher, no one better than Orville Redenbacher, because you close your eyes and you think Orville Redenbacher, this is the face that comes into your head. <laughs> if you don't know who I'm talking about, look him up. Barbara Stanwyck, Big Valley. Mrs. Barclay on the Big Valley. Remember that show? Don't get to see that very much. That was a pretty good show. Born on this day back in 1907. You know, West Wing is a modern day... Or West Wing, listen to me. Uh, uh, Yellowstone. Yellowstone, if you think about it, it just popped in my head, is a modern day version of Big Valley, if you think about it. <laughs> anyway. Will Ferrell. He's having a birthday today. He's 55 today. Corey Feldman, no matter what you think of his adult life, he was in a lot of good movies when he was a kid. Uh, Bad News Bears, Goonies, Stand By Me. He's 51 today. Today in history, back in 1439, whew, long time ago, British government. Now, now I, I'm only talking about this because here just a couple of years ago, there were laws kind of being passed due to COVID-19. Well, back... In 1439, the British government tried to pass laws. No, they did pass laws. Laws against kissing. <laughs> Due to an epidemic. 1935, the first automatic parking meter installed in Oklahoma City. 1956, the last Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus performance last show under a tent, under canvas. We've all seen the movie. If you were alive back then, you were glued to your television for, what, three or four days? 1969, Apollo 11. The first manned ship to land on the moon is launched. And in 1973, on this date, during the Senate Watergate hearings, former White House aide Alexander Butterfield reveals the existence of President Nixon's secret taping system. You think any presidents have learned from that not to do that? <laughs> anyway, if you don't have one yet, you got to get one. It's cool. It's cool, man. It's cool. It's the new FBTV podcast mug. It's available. You go to uh, our website, FreightTripBrokerTV.com. You'll see it. You can get it. You can order it. Be delivered right to your mailbox. Okay, it is question and answer day, Q&A day. If you have a question you'd like to submit, you can do so by emailing it to me at fbtv at freightbrokertv.com. If you are watching the videos and you have a question, yeah, post it below. It may not pop up, but it'll come to us eventually. We'll answer it. Forms on our website, freightbrokertv.com. You can check that out as well. And if you've got Skype, you can open up your Skype app to search for FBTV. You'll find us and uh, send us your question. 
Okay, first up today is Ty. I am seeking financial freedom. I want to get into the business. I'm not sure where to start. There are so many schools and people in the industry telling me to just stick with dispatching. But I want to be the boss. See, that's an entrepreneur. You want control over your own destiny. <clears throat> you got to work. Ty, I'm not so sure you're talking about freight broker training schools <laughs> telling you to stick with dispatching. But that brings up an interesting point. Back in the day, when I was trying to get into brokering, when I, I was driving at that time, and I thought, who best to tell me how to get into brokering than a broker? Because I was hauling brokered loads occasionally, and it never failed. Every broker I asked, you know, what's the best way to get into brokering, they all said the same thing, get into dispatching. And that always floored me, made no sense to me at all. What does dispatching have to do with brokering? Yeah, I'm working with drivers, but what about getting loads? What about rates and getting the dispatching? It wasn't until I became a broker <laughs> that it made sense. I was under a brokered load. Their brokered load. Who do you think who do you think I will contact once I start brokering? Their customer. <laughs> so, yeah, give me as far away from it as they can. But anyway, uh, telling you just stick with dispatching. As far as now, if you're talking about a dispatch service, independent dispatcher, <coughs> then uh, no. Matter of fact, we had somebody call in this week asking about that, and, and we've talked about it before. Matter of fact, the FMCSA uh, they they're doing some studies right now. They're not real happy about these uh, independent dispatch services because they feel like they're skating around the broker law, having your own authority and such, which and some of them are. And it's really hurting the trucking companies too, these dispatch services, because uh, I'm not saying every one of them are, but I will get almost bet a nickel to a donut, the majority of them are. These people that open up their independent dispatch services, they're lazy. They're going to the load board to get loads for the uh, trucking clients they have. The trucking company could do that on their own and save 10%, make 10% more on the load. But as it is, if you're using a dispatch service, eh, the broker uh, your, 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 the broker fee is coming off the top before it gets to you, and now the dispatch fee. So... And that's why the FMCSA is kind of looking at it, because they feel like a lot of these dispatch services are just trying to skate. The other thing, too, if you're a dispatch service, independent dispatch service, and you're operating correctly, I mean, you've got your own customers, but the thing is, if you're an independent dispatch service, you have to, well, well first of all, you can't go out here and get your own customers until you've got a trucking company that you're contracted under to work under their license because it's illegal to solicit freight unless you are licensed or an agent of a licensed trucking company or broker. See what I mean? But anyway, Ty, the best rate, way to start, and I'll, I'll tell you this right now, buddy, uh, go to our website at taltoa.com, T-A-L-T-O-A.com, on our homepage. Scroll down to about the middle of the page. And it's going to say something about becoming a uh, freight broker. Where to start? Learn more. 
that's going to take you, that will take you to a webinar we did uh, a couple, uh, maybe a year, 18, two years ago. Information still relevant. Watch that video. It's about a 30-minute video. It's going to take you through everything. Freight broker, freight broker agent, how to get started, best way to begin, the good, the bad, the ugly, the whole nine yards. Check it out. <clears throat> My recommendation, start out as a freight broker agent. If you watched any of our videos or heard any of our podcasts, heard me talk at all. Yeah, start out as a freight broker agent. You don't want to start out as a freight brokerage not knowing anything about your industry you're getting into. That's why doctors go to school before they start doctoring. <laughs> Common sense stuff, but you'd be surprised. Yeah, you know, the best thing to do is get out there, be, start out as a freight broker agent, gain the experience, build a customer base. Once you have that customer base built, then you know you can be successful because you have a customer base. People always say, well, what about my customers? They're not going to want to follow me. Believe me, very few customers buy the company. They're buying the individual. They're buying the broker, the person, not the company. There's exceptions to that. There's exceptions to everything, but uh, majority of them, yeah, they are buying the individual, the person they work with on a day-to-day -day basis, the person they know they can trust. Ty, if you want information, check out our website. Call me. I'd be happy to discuss this with you. 479-668-0838. Kevin writes in. He says, I wanted to ask if uh, sometimes when you're dealing with a carrier, is it wise to let them know what your shipper is paying for the loan? Do some brokers tell the carrier, hey, I'm only making this much. Thanks uh, for your input. Yeah, OIDA, OIDA, we butt heads on some things, some things we agree with, like the speed limiter thing, totally agree with them. The, uh, they are uh, trying to get the uh, FMCSA to force brokers to be transparent with the rates. That's wrong. I don't care how you cut it. If you're a trucking company, I know... I know you're going to say, no, that's that, that that's what should be happening. Yeah, is it? Should, okay. Well, then tell me, should you as a trucking company be telling your other customers what they are paying you? You know, the other customers are paying. See what I mean? No, it's not right. It's like going to the grocery store. Should they have the price they're charging and the price they were charged? No, absolutely not. <laughs> you, you know? It's as a trucking company, it's your job to negotiate the best rate you can. You know, if you go to sit down with a, a shipper, do you expect they're going to tell you what they're paying other trucking companies? No, they expect you to negotiate your best rate. No, it's absolutely wrong. And this is one of those things, too, that, uh, yeah, they'd like for it to be transparent, you know, sure. Now, are there bad brokers? Yeah, there are bad brokers. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. But what it comes right down to is you, as the trucking company, you are responsible for negotiating your business deal. You're expecting the government to do it for you? Give me a break. 
the brokers, you have to understand, the brokers going out here finding their customers, they're building the relationship. They're getting the loads. The loads that if you're, you're a trucking company using a broker correctly, that are backhauls to get your equipment relocated to a destination that equipment needs to be in order to pick up one of your customer loads. But if you're using a broker 100% of the time, come on, man, what do you expect? You're giving away anywhere from 10 to 20% off the top of every load that the broker's getting paid for by the customer. You're giving that to the broker. You should have your own customer base. Your own customers. That's where you're, you've gone in, you've sat down across the table, you negotiated a contract, you negotiated rates, you got the accessorial fee, you've got detention times, you've got fuel surcharges, all that's been worked out, your line hauls. <clears throat> that's where you're making your big bucks. You should only be using a broker for a backhaul. I was uh, went to back in my uh, riding days. The bike blues and barbecue up in Fayetteville. Went up there. I've talked about this before. Went up there one year. We were sitting out in the beer garden. Beautiful day. And this guy sat down right next to me. Him and his wife. Then you know my wife was there. We started talking. Well, conversation came around to, uh, what do you do? Well, I'm a transportation logistics consultant. Oh, well, I'm a driver. I'm an owner-operator. And here we go. <laughs> you know, I knew right then there was going to be trouble because, well, not trouble, but I knew where the conversation was going. Anyway, he had heard on the radio. One of these knuckleheads that know nothing about trucking. They was doing some type of a trucking radio show. Say that there was no such thing as a backhaul. And here we go. There is a backhaul. Backhauls are what a broker is designed to, you know, to do. Provide a backhaul for a trucking company. Trucking company is going to take a lower rate. They're going to pay the broker. They, you know, they uh, understand that the broker is going to take money off the top for the convenience of getting their equipment loaded quicker so they can get back to their customer base quicker to pick up another one of their high-paying customer loads. Not only high-paying, but it allows them to give their customer base better service. Get the idea? So, now there are exceptions. If you're doing a bulk load, bulk rate load, yeah, you're going to be telling, you're going to be totally transparent about it. And if, you know, if you're paying... Let's say the bulk rate load, not going to get really in detail about it, but if you got a bulk rate load, maybe it's a load of onions. Okay, your customer may be paying, I don't know, uh, $3 per weight CWT. Okay, so that means for every 100 pounds that that truck, or that, 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 uh, truck loads, the shipper's going to pay 3 bucks. All right? So if you put 46,000 pounds, that's 460 hundred weight times 3, that means uh, there's going to be 1380 paid. If, if I did that real quick, but you get the idea. Now, generally, these bulk rate loads, I mean, they take mileage into consideration, but what the truck is paid, what the broker's paid, what the shipper's paying is 100% dependent on how much the truck loads. So, in a situation like that, yeah. 
you know, you've, you've got to tell the truck. Now, the way usually a bulk rate load goes, you're going to tell the truck, yeah, we're paying uh, $3 per CWT minus 8%, 7%, whatever percentage you're going to take off the top. See what I mean? So it's totally up front with the truck. All right. So, you know, that way you're, you're not guaranteeing the truck X amount of money just for hauling the load. The money they make is going to be totally dependent on what the weight of the load comes out to. And usually in a situation like that, the truck's going to go in and weigh empty. Then when they get loaded, they'll weigh loaded and determine how much weight the truck actually has on it. Kevin, yeah. Uh, you know, if you've got questions about this, feel free to call me. Be happy to talk more to you. 479-668-0838. Okay, next up, last Q&A of the day. I'm a new freight broker. This comes in from Eric. I'm a new freight broker agent and have just picked up a new shipper. This shipper requires a pallet exchange. I've never done pallet exchange before. Now, I have a pretty good idea what a pallet exchange is, but uh, could you explain it to me? Yeah, absolutely. Pallet exchange is pretty simple. First of all, you're pretty much only going to find pallet exchange loads that are of the food stuff nature. This can be refrigerated. This can be dry food stuff. The shipper, the customer, requires that the truck have X number of pallets on their trailer to exchange for the same number of pallets they're going to be picking up. Now, this is not going to be a surprise to you. Obviously, the customer told you, hey, they're a pallet exchange shipper. That They're going to tell you that. <clears throat> but every time you move a load for that customer, they're going to tell you how many pallets are going to be on that load. They may say, yeah, there's uh, going to be 24 pallets, pallet exchange load, 24 pallets. All right, you tell the trucking company, yeah, this is a pallet exchange load. Uh, your truck's going to have to have 24 empties. That means they will need 24 empty pallets to exchange for the 24 loaded pallets that the truck is going to be picking up. Okay, pretty simple. Now, what if the truck don't have pallets? Well, not your problem, not as a broker. That's the trucking company's problem. Actually, drivers. It's simple, they get on that CB radio, you know, generally somebody around the truck stop or something will have pallets to sell. Uh, something else too, most shippers in a locale uh, that, uh, you know, require a pallet exchange. Somebody around that area knows this, and that's what they do. They, they build pallets in their backyard. You know, you've seen them going down the road, 45-year-old pickup truck, all beat up, <laughs> 200 pallets in the bed, bailing wire, rope, holding them down. They park in front of that customer, and they sell pallets all day long, Okay. Now, you're not going to pay the trucking company extra on a pallet exchange load, even though they got to buy some, if they do. And you're not going to reimburse them if they've got to buy pallets. The reason is, is when that truck delivers the load, they get to the destination, they will get their empty pallets back. Then they can turn around, sell them, use them again, whatever they need to do. They're not out anything, see what I mean? They can get their money back. Now, that's, let's talk about this a little bit further, though. Pallet exchange load. 
you understand that when a truck picks up a load, there's going to be two, a minimum of two mandatory phone calls you should get as a broker from that truck driver. The load call and the empty call. All right, now, the load call comes in, pretty much load call. Hey, picked up the load, I'm headed out the door, I'll call you when I'm empty. Or when I get there, whatever. Okay, that's your load call. It's not going to be a big 10-minute deal, it's just letting you know they picked up the load. <clears throat> On a pallet exchange load, as soon as you get the call from the driver, call your customer immediately. Call them. Let them know, hey, the truck picked up the load. And ask your customer for the pallet count. They'll pull up the information. They'll either pull up the paperwork, pull it up on their computer, whatever. What you want to hear, you want to hear the customer say, yeah, we had an even exchange, 24 in, 24 out. What you don't want to hear is your customer comes back and says something like, yeah, that truck was short two pallets. We had 22 in, 24 out. Well, on your paperwork, the low confirmation to the truck, you let them know they needed 22 pallets, or 24 pallets, rather. So they were short two pallets. This is going to come back on them, not you. But you're going to be the first one to have to deal with it. So, your customer told you the truck was two pallets short. Now you need to ask your customer, what kind of fee are you looking at? In other words, what is the cost per pallet going to be for the two pallets that truck was short? I've seen it. Anywhere from $3 a pallet to over $20 a pallet and everything in between. Whatever your customer tells you, that's going to be the fee that they're going to deduct from what they've agreed to pay you. So, maybe they told you $10 a pallet, the truck was two pallets short. That means that they will deduct $20 off what they agreed to pay you. So, if they were going to pay you $1,000 to move that load from point A to point B, now they're going to be paying $980. Immediately, you need to get off the phone and call your broker if you're an agent. If you are the freight broker, you need to let your uh, accounts payable now so you don't overpay the truck. Because that $20 is going to be passed down to the trucking company because it was on their load confirmation that they were to have 24 pallets. They only had 22, so there you go. Now, you may find that the trucking company... We'll come back and say, hey, wait a minute, we had 24, yeah, but the pallets must be usable. It can't be junk. It can't be falling apart, you see. Anyway, let your broker know that, hey, the customer's short paying 20 bucks because the truck was short two pallets. That way your customer or your broker knows to expect 980 instead of 1000 from your customer. And if you had agreed to pay the truck 850 now... Your broker knows to pay the truck 830 Now, this is all notated on the bill of lading. There is no secret here. It's not the broker's doing something squirrely. It's going to be on the bill of lading, BOL, the legal document. It's going to let the uh, everybody know that there was a uh, shortage. It's all up front. It's transparent. <laughs> anyway, Eric, I hope that helps you out if you... Uh, like to know more, feel free to call me. Again, 479-668-0838. Check us out, Taltoa.com. If you're new to the industry or just starting or thinking you're wanting to get into the industry, yeah, check us out, Taltoa.com. We, we've helped thousands of people get into uh, uh, freight brokering, freight broker agents, even help trucking companies. Uh, a lot of trucking companies come to us so they can uh, 
learn how to get their own loads. And before they get done with training, they've already, you know, decided that, hey, they are uh, definitely going to start a brokerage because that's a uh, additional stream of revenue. All right. June, a good month for uh, big truck sales, highest of the year so far. USA Class 8 retail sales in June were the highest of the year and improved 12.7% compared with the uh, previous June. That's according to Ward's intelligence report. Another analyst said production levels, according to truck uh, makers' plans, are set to accelerate in the second half, indicating sufficient available parts are less of an issue than they have been in the past. If you've tried to buy anything, you know, how many times have it, has, has it been backordered? You know, if it told me it was on my truck, eh, hard to find out, you know, it had hell damage, yeah, you know, it took a while, it took almost two months to be able to get a hood. It was crazy. Sales reached 22,358 compared with 19,840 a year ago. Also, the second highest volume in the last 18 months, so that's good. All right. If you're traveling through Arkansas, uh, this is one thing. Uh, maybe every state does it, but it really irks me about Arkansas. And I live here. It's my home state. I get to say stuff like this. You know, they, they got this attitude when they want to enforce something or they want to let the public know, hey, we're going we're gonna to be looking for this. They, they come out there with that state trooper, Smoky Bear hat, and they're... You know, hey, we're, 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 you know, that kind of issue, you know, that they, uh, it, it's almost, they're, they're trying to be intimidating and it just irks you because they're there to protect and serve, not to intimidate. But anyway, it is what it is. Anyway, they're kicking off two week speeding crackdown. Arkansas State Police has announced that they'll be partnering with law enforcement agencies for a statewide speed enforcement campaign. Now, getting ready to kick off, get ready for it, two weeks of it, starts Monday, according to what I'm seeing here, the, uh, but they don't tell us if they're going to give us one mile an hour, two miles an hour, five miles an hour, usually they'll give you five, you know, over, but I would not be surprised if, uh, with this, Speeding crackdown week. What are they calling it? Usually they're like a click it for ticket. You know, probably we're going to get you for speeding. <laughs> I don't know what they're calling it. But it's kind of kind of funny. You're, you know, that's, you're not supposed to speed anyway. You know, I told you this. There's stoplight down from my house. You know, I'm like, come on. You know, you have to sit. that Your, your stoplight turns green. You, gotta, you better sit there for a couple of seconds. Make sure somebody's not going to run that red light because they come flying through there 50 miles an hour. Anyway. Is what it is, right? Okay, today's impossible question. Let's wrap this up before we get out of here. One in four men say they never use this. What was your answer? This kind of surprised me, to be honest with you. Deodorant. Deodorant? Really? One in four men, 25% of men say they never use deodorant? I don't know. Anyway, is what it is. All right, that wraps it up for Saturday. Don't forget, you got till Monday to make your... Uh, your voice heard at the FMCSA about this uh, speed limiter thing. Deadline's Monday. All right. Check that out. All right.
Go have a good weekend. Great Saturday. Unless, of course, you've made other plans. We will talk soon. Mm-hmm.